to Trek Companion. This is episode 231. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing Voyager's sixth season episodes, Dragon's Teeth, One Small Step, and The Voyager Conspiracy. Here we go. Dragon's Teeth, Season 6, Episode 7, Production Code 225, Original Air Date, November 10th, 1999. Directed by Winrick Colby, story by Michael Taylor, teleplay by Michael Taylor, Brandon Braga, and Joe Minoski, music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Jeff Allen as Gedrin, Ron Fassler as Morin, Robert Nepper as Gall, Bob Stillman as Ture, Mimi Craven as Gisa, and Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman. <laughs> Voyager's caught in a subspace corridor. A vessel of the Tarii species helps Voyager re-enter normal space. When Captain Janeway discovers they have traveled more than 200 light years in a few minutes, she requests that the Tarii aid them further, but the Tarii insist on wiping Voyager's computer of any information regarding the corridor. When Janeway refuses, the ship attacks and summons reinforcements. I've been doing some research on our new allies, and I have found something very interesting. In dozens of the ancient folktales of my people, there's a common theme. They describe a phantom army that appears out of thin air, destroys entire colonies, and vanishes in the blink of an eye. Sound familiar? The subspace corridors. Exactly. Gedrin claims they've been using them as trade routes, but I'm starting to wonder. Adam, what did you think of Dragon's Teeth? Dragon's Teeth. I actually, I mean, for some reason this was memorable. I remembered it going in. Um. Overall, it's it's a fine episode. I mean, it's um, not something that I, I think you, any of us are going to put on our top ten or twenty list. But it's kind of a, it's an interesting concept. You have this species that's um, you know been in hibernation for you know roughly a thousand years, and they're reawoken. And you know, there's a little bit of the mystery of like um, what kind of people they are, and that kind of unfolds throughout the episode. That you find out that this species is um, you know they're a warlike conquering esque type um species and that's why they were kind of they were wiped out their planet was wiped out and they had to go into hibernation um yeah i mean it's fine i mean i'd watch the episode again but like i said i don't, I don't think i'm i'm not going to jump through hoops for it I'd, i'm curious if what you guys thought of it i think it had a lot of cool like sci-fi ideas those are the kind of you know i, I can i can generally get behind that sort of thing i i agree i found myself I, it did seem memorable but I think it's just because of all those kind of fun sci-fi ideas and the 900-year, you know, hypersleep or whatever, and suspended animation, that kind of stuff. Very like sci-fi novel, you know. And uh, there's um, all those what at the time were pretty awesome shots of like the civilization, the future civilization, and getting bombarded with the uh, torpedoes or whatever, all CG. So there's a lot, there's enough in here to, that keeps it moving. And I think some of the performances are solid. I like the idea of Neelix. There's like this folklore history, wow. you know, 900 years is, is long enough that that's how it would be. Right. But I, I like that idea that, that this had seeped into his culture and like folklore. Right. And I mean, so there's, there's enough cool stuff in there, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, it, it never it's never more than the sum of its parts i guess it holds it's something something about it holds it back from ever being all that great yeah like i mean i agree with you it's got some interesting i you know 
interesting concepts. The one kind of thing I kind of found interesting, usually, you know, when you get into a, um, any kind of Star Trek episode, you know, usually who the, you know, the crew of the ship, who they team up with ends up being kind of similar or good. You know, they have um, common morals or, you know, with, you know, Janeway or Cisco or Hoover, you know, they're, they're teaming up with. This was kind of, I guess the interesting part of it, the interesting twist is, you know, the, the people that they team up with, they're not, they turn out not to be, they turn out to be pretty bad. You know, they're going to, you know, take over Voyage or that kind of thing. So you don't quite see that, that kind of thing often. And I kind of agree with, yeah, the, the, uh, what did he, I guess he went on an etymology um, search for the word that was, yeah, it was interesting finding, you know, that kind of stuff back way back when. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, Probably the what does hold it back, if anything, is how derivative some of the ideas are. I mean, beyond like the whole that folklore um, component that I think is interesting. I agree with that. There it does feel like there's a lot. Like it's like little bits of things that we've seen in many other things, in other Star Trek episodes and other science fiction. And so, it's it's cool ideas, and that's what keeps it from being bad or whatever. You know, there's not like it's it's put together poorly or something like that. But um, I think it's. Uh, just a whole there's nothing particularly new about it you know and it, and it maybe has a little message which we'll get to but again it's a message that we've seen before as well common message it was uh, surprising to see seven so quickly revive that first dude uh, at first like whoa that does seem like something you'd want to talk to janeway about <laughs> but i liked that there was actually a story reason that they went into later for why she did that you know her thoughts about, you know, with the Borg tearing societies down and this was a chance to revive one, you know, that, that was actually, I don't know, that was a surprise and welcome that they actually had like a narrative and character based reason for that. And then of course that gave them also the opportunity for her to learn something from it and maybe feel a little bit uh, bad and guilt, guilty about that action. Um, but yeah, that's a perfect example of, I mean, that's a character thing and, and it's interesting, you know, uh, it's, drama and and yet again it it never it never really is more than some of its parts it's all these pieces and it never doesn't rise above that i guess you get a little bit of a history lesson on the borg they obviously were around a thousand years ago now how did the borg not have perfect records <laughs> well didn't she explain that there was some sort of um event that caused records not to be good i don't know hmm. but yeah you're right I, i'd like to see the version of this episode called dragon's feet <laughs> I was wondering what that would be. What's this episode about? Um, well, I mean, you know, the themes of the um, the episode are they're pretty common to like sci-fi. It's kind of like you know, um, you know, if you the conquerors, if you're a conquering society, um, you, you see this in human history. If you are continuously trying to expand your territory and you are hostile to everybody else, eventually that kind of stuff will kind of collapse in on you. You know, you have other species in, in this episode. In particular, you know, all these other species banding together and they defeated this force. So, you know, conquering, nonstop conquering is not the way. And um, cooperation amongst um, beings is a better way, I guess, is kind of what it's saying. But it's they're kind of broad, generalized themes. I don't think they quite get into anything specific here about what they're trying to say. And also, you know, don't... Uh wake the beast or whatever, you know, stirring the, you know, <laughs> the, uh, waking up the monster or whatever, and that kind of thing. Um, and seeing where that goes and the, you know, and I think that could, that could be one deficiency here is there are a lot of different things you could latch onto in terms of a, uh, theme. And so they didn't really give any of them maybe what it, what they deserved in time. So folks, if you were wondering, Steve's 
bi-weekly Mork and Mindy podcast went way, way over. <laughs> yeah, so he, he talked way too much and he's kind of lost some of his voice. You know, uh, looking back over my notes, right near the beginning, they have the, he has the line, she's like, what are we going to do? You know, we'll start again in five years. Reading that line, after you know that they're that they're conquerors, it's pretty dark. Actually, it feels like, don't worry, don't worry. We'll 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 plunder and and kill. We'll get started on that again in, in just five years. Don't worry. We'll get back to that. <laughs> like, uh, all right. Let's do six degrees for dragon's teeth. Adam, you going first or second? Um, I suppose I'll go first. Robert Nepper plays Gaul, Gaul, the maybe not as bad Vaudoir. In Next Gen's first season in the, in the episode Haven, he played Wyatt Miller, who was Wyatt supposed to marry? That's an easy one. Um, it was Deanna. That's right. Uh, Steve, Jeff Allen plays Gedron, the maybe pretty bad Vaudoir. In Next Gen, he played Ensign Sutter in Next Gen's fifth season, Sutter's daughter. Had a fake buddy. Name the episode. Okay. Um, yeah. Don't worry, Steve. I won't steal it from you. <laughs> I can I can see it and stuff. It's for some reason the, the title is not coming to me. Um, imaginary Friend? Yes, sir. See, I gave it to you with fake oh. buddy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. One to one. Moving on. One Small Step, Season 6, Episode 8, Production Code 228. Original air date, November 17th, 1999. Directed by Robert Picardo. Story by Mike Walliger and Jessica Scott. Teleplay by Mike Walliger, Jessica Scott, Brian Fuller, and Michael Taylor. Music composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Phil Morris as Lieutenant John Kelly. Voyager encounters a graviton ellipse, a massive body of subspace energy that temporarily leaves subspace and travels through normal space for a time. After Seven provides Voyager with Borg information on how to avoid being harmed by the ellipse, the crew begin scanning it. They recognize it as a similar phenomenon that reportedly consumed the Ares-4, a command module used in Earth's early Mars missions in 2032. Here's the crux of it. As a Borg, you didn't study the past. You ingested it. You've never really developed an appreciation for humanity's history. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to do some exploring of your own. Are you ordering me to join this mission? Let's just say I'm encouraging you to volunteer. Jumping straight to the end, you know how I know this episode works. Every time I've ever seen it, it makes me emotional when Seven says Yankees in six games. Yeah. Even yeah. if you think the episode isn't working and you're not into it or whatever, and at the very end when she whispers that, you're dead inside if you don't feel something. That's that's when you know this episode works, I think. Yeah. I I, I always felt a little bit like they they do spend a lot of this episode not with our not only not with our characters, but like really not with our characters because they're not even in those scenes. So I think that's something that makes it you know, it's not like like uh, Picard and in Inner Light or something. It's still Picard. It's it's he's somebody else, but it's still Patrick Stewart, Picardy. Um, this it really is none of our people, and it doesn't even feel like Star Trek really with the NASA stuff. So uh, those are the sorts of things that they don't make it a bad episode. They just make it I don't know. Maybe it doesn't feel like Star Trek as much, which takes away a little bit. But at the end of the episode, when Seven says Yankees in six games. 
and it gets me. I'm like, oh yeah, this episode actually does work, even though I think maybe it's not going to or something. Uh, Steve, why don't you start us on this one? Yeah, I uh, I definitely remember this one, and uh, I, I agree. I think it's it's got those uh, those points that make it emotional and make it memorable, and uh, I think that works. It's all. It, it, I'm always surprised at how many. I mean, it seems like an almost an excessive number of seven of nine episodes. I know she joined, you know, halfway through and all that, but you know, things that focus on her. It seems like she, you know, I mean, there might be a little bit of we're on the same doing the same stuff over and we've seen that kind of thing happen where we've have episodes focusing on her and um there's stuff that she already we already think she should have you know um advances and so forth that she should have already shown but um this is a, a bit unusual this n- notion of nostalgia for history and trying to understand that and wrap your head around it and what's that mean and so forth um so that's cool um yeah i mean if 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 anything, some one thing that's one thing I think is a, a little wacky that comes to mind is that there's there's elements of it that seem kind of put they just put something together to make it work, you know. Like you know, I don't remember this element of Chakotay having such a any any kind of uh, you know uh, appreciation for this kind of stuff. Yeah, for Paris more so, and so all of a sudden it seems like oh, okay, well we so we can get a couple of our people together to go in on this, you know. So that kind of seems thrown together you know um but uh you know uh, yeah otherwise it, it is it is unique and you in the you know jerry ryan 709 is is so good in what she does that it's um that helps too so adam um yeah i, I have to say i kind of agree with both you guys i like this episode um i i have my problems with it um and i you know steve's touched on that just a bit you know I think for most of the episode, it's not as focused as it, it could be. Is it um, is it a Chakotay episode? Is it a seven and nine episode? You know, later on we get into the ep- later, the later we get into the episode, it's clearly a seven and nine episode, and I kind of think that's what hurts it. And I think that's why Brian is just making this assumption why it's not till the end. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, this episode works because all that stuff with Chakotay in Paris, like I'm, I'm felt the same way that um, Steve did. It this seemed more like um, Tom's. Tom's area, but you have all this stuff with the yeah, nice Adam. Um, and it doesn't really go anywhere. I would have preferred they spent more time on the pod seven on the pod where she could have. I don't know that just, that seemed really quick. She goes over there, you know, she's playing the logs. We get to hear like the the end of what happens to the the command module, and it doesn't. I don't know. I just don't get her nostalgic connection in that short amount of time. So I would have preferred just, you know, have her there on that ship and where she can kind of make more of a, an emotional connection on, on that ship. So it's not, I don't know. It's just there. It wasn't tight, I guess I is what I would say. It's not. So as much as I like this episode, I do have my problems with it. And it's not, it's not as good as I think it could have been. A lot of fun, like NASA stuff and Mars mission stuff. That actually feels kind of right a little ahead of us doesn't look like we're going to have a uh, mission by 2032 but uh, maybe some something private not NASA but uh, yeah I mean I I always like that kind of stuff definitely it does feel like like I mean imagine the exact same story just with giving all the Chakotay stuff to Tom I don't know it would make I guess it would make more sense but it wouldn't have the 
they do have a different dynamic, Chakotay and Seven. Not enough to have a relationship, thank you very much. I guess I should wait till next season to complain about that. But they do have it certainly a different dynamic than Tom and Seven. But yeah, it, it's so much of it just comes down to, like you were saying, uh, Jerry Ryan is just so good. I also like in this episode, they kind of, um, it's one of those rare ones where we get to see the dangers of space travel and not just, not just because of the flashback stuff and, you know, closer to our era and how dangerous it is, but, you know, they, you know, something went wrong and they're in a situation where, you know, we have to, we're barely going to get by and live to live through this unless we just do everything just right, you know, and we don't, we just never see that because they're in this vessel that everything's just just perfectly works and so on and so forth the vast majority of the time and it's like a little city and you, you you might as well be under the ocean or in space or who cares you know um but when they're exposed like that and on their own and things start falling apart i think that works well in the context of looking back historically on the episode too you know how the peril of it all i did think if this was discovery voyager would have gone into the thing and then it would have then it would have done its travel and they would have been somewhere <laughs> right right <laughs> Uh, I think Chakotay was probably, I mean, he showed poor leadership by insisting they try to drag that thing out of there when clearly yeah, they were yeah. not, not even, they were cutting it too close. I mean, they weren't going to make it. Well, that's what made it worse too, because not only did we not even know he had an interest in this crap, now all of a sudden he's going so far as to make the poorest decisions or some of the poorest decisions we've seen him make in this series based on this thing that we didn't even know was an interest of his. That's really weird. And then when seven is pissed off about it, he shuts her up. You made your point. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> totally just yeah, random. Man. I have eternity to keep making that point, you know, jerk. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what I was, yeah, that's kind of what I think holds this episode back just a bit. It's like, um, what was the point of that? And, you know, you don't even really kind of get any resolution to it at the end. So it's like, I'm, I, like I said, I would have, they didn't need to have Jacote go to that extreme. They could have, they could have, they could have come up with any number of reasons why they got stuck in that anomaly and were forced to do what they were to do without having all that kind of, you know, Jacote acting crazy. And then that little conflict between them and um, seven. What's this episode about? Well, it's, it's about appreciating the past and nostalgia being, um, you know, obviously, you know, they got to be a part of history in this episode. So it's about being appreciative of not just re- appreciative, but respectful and understanding of what those who came before you did to build to where you are able to be today. So it kind of has that a little bit in it, um, you know, and then there's kind of the human quality seven coming to realizations that, her humanity is maybe just more more than what she is. It's it's built upon all these things that um, people did before her. Yeah, I think with you know like Star Trek does with a character like Seven of Nine, uh, they're able to uh, tell those tell those kind of tales in a unique way where you have a character that has no reason to understand nostalgia and history appreciation because it's 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 foreign. You know, there's no you know. Uh, she has no concept of it at all, and so through her, you know through her journey to get to that point, we, we understand it more, the importance of that kind of respect and understanding of, of the past and people who've sacrificed and so forth. All right, let's do six degrees for one small step. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Phil Morris plays Lieutenant John Kelly. In Star Trek Three. he played Cadet Foster. 
What does Foster ask Kirk near the beginning of the film? Ugh. I can do every word from memory. Yeah, as soon as you said from Star Trek Three, I said I don't. I'm done. There's not going to work because I know how much you like that, and so you're going to say something that <laughs> I, I didn't won't even. Remember. I didn't even have to look it up. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. I. I, 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 <laughs> if I, I mentioned I love Star Trek Three. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I'm sorry, Adam. What did he ask Captain Kirk? Is that what the question? Correct. Put the put the scenes together in my head, and you said it's early in the film. Yep, it's on the bridge in the beginning. Um, on their way back. Oh, are we going to have a parade or celebration? A yes, I'll welcome. give you that. I'll give a it to you. Heroes welcome. Is that what you're at? Is that what you're looking yeah. for, Sonny? Yes. Welcome? He says, "Sir, I was wondering, are they planning a reception for us?" And Kirk says, "A hero's welcome, son. Is that what you'd like?" God knows there should be. This time we've paid for the party with our dearest blood. I could keep doing all the lines. I can keep. I can do the whole movie <laughs> if you want. Uh, yeah, that's the same actor. Adam, in the original series, Morris played a kid in an army helmet in season one. There were a lot of kids in that episode. Name it. <laughs> um, I'll let um Steve Steele. I know the episode. I just can't remember the name of it. Is it um Miri? Yes, our score is two to two. Moving on. The Voyager Conspiracy, Season 6, Episode 9, Production Code 229, Original Air Date, November 24th, 1999, Directed by Terry Wendell, Written by Joe Manoski, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Albie Selznick as Tosh and Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman. Seven of Nine decides to increase the amount of information she can receive from the ship's database by directly assimilating it through her portal. This allows her to draw conclusions from various sources of data and find bugs in one of the main systems. Meanwhile, the ship encounters an alien who has constructed a catapult capable of throwing a ship several hundred light years in a few hours. The crew of Voyager help him repair his array with the hopes that if he makes the trip successfully, they can use it to shorten their trip home. I believe Chakotay and other members of your crew are involved in a conspiracy to resurrect the Maquis Rebellion. Did Chakotay put you up to this? Voyager and the Federation itself are in grave danger. Adam, get us going on Voyager Conspiracy. Voyager Conspiracy! <laughs> I like this episode. It's kind of, it's fun. Um, The thing about, and I'll mention this, the thing about all three of these episodes, like, I kind of feel like they're all they're all good but not great and i kind of feel the same way about um conspiracy um but this it's kind of interesting story i mean you obviously you got seven and she's um compiling all this data and um drawing conclusions from each of these things and um she uh, she obviously goes down um conspiracy role and you know at some point she's um implicating janeway in um, the secret mission that's been going on for five years and then later on she brings in janeway and she implicates chakotay and this conspiracy that's been going on five years. It's an interesting way to kind of bring seven back to the beginning of Voyager where she is investigating, you know, the, um, the very first mission they, they went on. So in, in a kind of a strange way, it kind of connects her to the beginning of the series. And I don't know if that was kind of their intention there, but I mean, it's kind of interesting to, to pull her in that she's, um, she's asking Neelix about, um, Kess and the caretaker. So we, you know, we get not to go back to one small step, but we get a little bit of nostalgia in this episode, bringing us all the way back to the beginning. So, um, you know, it's it's paced well. We got another piece of technology that's going to shorten their trip. Um, 
Um, you know, then we kind of get, you know, suspicions, you know, Janeway's suspicious of Chakotay, Chakotay's suspicious of Janeway. So interesting intrigue. And, you know, at the end, you know, we kind of get the, you know, Janeway reaffirming Seven as an individual and that, you know, she's all right and that she can come back to the ship. So, you know, we have a lot of elements. Those are similar elements that we've seen before, but um, this was kind of in a new, a new way. First thought, Steve. I think I think it's I think it's interesting. I like I do like it in general. I think uh, it's got something to say for today too that we that we wouldn't have had back then regarding uh, conspiracy theories and truth and fake news and so on. But I do um, one thing. One thing I would say though, it does there it does get kind of old. I did make in some of my notes of some of the. Uh, you know, plotting along with her explanations at some point gets a little tiresome. I'm not sure how they would have fixed that if they needed a B story in there or something more than what they had. But, um, but generally speaking, I think it's interesting and yet another angle to Seven's development and so forth. I like how when she confronts Janeway, she's using all the same facts that she that she had given right. to Chicoche, just with a different spin and interpretation. You know, I think that makes that makes the point of this episode yeah. more effectively yeah. than anything else. It's, that's, it's pretty, pretty effective. It's pretty good. Then I think if you took her asking Naomi, who are you working for out of context? It's, it, it's like funny and it, it's weird that that feels like it should be funny, but it is not funny. It is scary when she says that we're, we're at that point in the episode. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that line should have been like at the end of the first act or something uh, so that you could, you could feel a little bit of levity with it instead of like, wow, this is just dark. <laughs> I don't know. That, that always felt a little bit weird to me. Well, they kind of had that running th- There was kind of a running thing through the episode, you know, like, um, oh, she's pulling a bored practical joke on you. I think um, that's mentioned. And then Janeway later on, and she's like, the same thing, you know, who's, who's, who's pulling your leg here? Who's, who's choking with you? So yeah, they kind of try to keep it light in a serious kind of context. Yeah. Well, look at all the, the way they do all of those, like, POV camera shots when Seven's talking about the insect or something. They do actual footage from other episodes. Sure. Mostly stuff like that. It makes it, it makes the episode feel very unique. It makes it feel unlike any other in Voyager. That's for certain. Just, just stylistically. It's, it's certainly very, very unique. It's never explained to us also like, where did this, um, conduit come from and what was that little tracked beam what happened to the um cardassian ship so there's a lot of a lot of weird things that are left kind of unanswered from this episode too i love how tuvaki tuvok's moment is (laughs) when he's explaining you know everything he says there was no they said there was no tractor beam because there was no ship to generate one i mean everything is it's very vulcan in tuvaki but i i i (laughs) <laughs> That's probably my favorite scene in the episode, and he's not even trying to be funny. Well, you've said before, Tuvok's the, the funniest character on the show. He is, but I'm not sure he's trying to be funny there. Usually when he's funny, he's trying to be funny, but here, I'm, I don't think he is. Maybe he's a little annoyed <laughs> that Seven is jumping to conclusions. Question, but Questioning mm-hmm. him. Yeah, that's probably it. That's, so, yeah. yeah. It does overall feel like just a step too far the way, the way, like, Chicote actually starts buying into it, and then even Janeway later, you feel a little bit like, no, they this isn't this shouldn't be enough for these intelligent people to buy into this right. bullcrap. Uh, yeah, so it feels like a smidge of a stretch there, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's gonna, I think, um, I think they had to even it out with Janeway 
because you know there's that scene with Janeway and Seven, and you know this seems like Janeway's not buying it. She's not buying it, and then they kind of get that that end the end shot with Janeway's just kind of you know taking in all the information that Seven's given her, and then the next scene, you know, they're she's checking out Chakotay. So that kind of evens it out. Um, but yeah, I kind of I agree with you, Brian, that it's it's almost a little too far. At least she didn't start saying. They're like these worm creatures inside of us, and you'll have to shoot their heads and make them go oh, up or something. That would have been a conspiracy. A real conspiracy. Too far. That, that would have been too far, Brian. Mm-hmm. Too far. What's this episode about? I think Steve kind of, t- you know, on a, on a grander scale, yeah, we can we can apply that to kind of today. You know, all the information that you take in and you can't, and if you can't sort it out properly, yeah, you can draw any kind of conclusion that you want. Um and Steve's right that that happens all the time in in our present, you know, especially you know the internet and all that. You can consume as much information as you can possibly take in in a, in a day from any, um, you know, from your phone, your computer, your television, um, and you can kind of draw you can draw wrong conclusions based on information that you don't fully understand. I think this is one. Of, this is a topic we could talk a long time on. I I couldn't because I'd lose my voice entirely. But <laughs> the uh, it's one of these. It's it, it's so now in terms of in so many different ways, right? You have people that just spin certain nuggets of information, make it anything you want. I think there's also a component of people sometimes do that to try to get get a handle on things that they can't control. You know, people try to find explanations when they're sometimes there's just ran, there's random stuff goes on all the time and people try to connect dots that aren't there. I think that's just human nature, but the more information you have at your disposal, the harder it is to keep that in control. And I also think, yeah, they maybe went too far in showing Janeway and Chakotay actually at odds of each at each other with, you know, this kind of thing. But it does illustrate how toxic this is. You know, I mean, we've probably all been in situations at work or people we know or whatever that will do this. They'll spin nuggets of information and it just starts going and going and going. And, and, it, and it's just something that's not, not reality, but you can make any kind of reality you want out of random facts. And it's so easy to just start get on that train and start going down and then it, it, you get kept swept up in it and it's, it's toxic and it and it's takes takes over everything and it's so damaging you know so um i think there's a real lesson there and um i'd be interested in knowing what i thought about it at the time i just don't remember i remember the episode but i don't remember if i felt it, how relevant it was or connected those dots in that way back then i agree with you we could we could kind of we could discuss that um that theme probably for another hour but instead, let's do six degrees for there the board conspiracy. Hey, look at that transition. <laughs> Adam, you going first or second? I'm going to go second. Whoa, Whoa my God. Oh, no, look at that. Steve, Albie Selznick plays Tosh, the alien that is happy to let Voyager use his catapult. He previously played the Tok Tok Council in Voyager's third season in the episode Macrocosm. What was the Tok Tok Council's initial solution to the problem of Voyager's macrovirus infestation? Jeez. Janeway dismissed this. I think it was Janeway. Yeah, it was Janeway. I just don't know. I remember that vaguely, but I think it was a fairly forgettable episode overall, and I, I just not not put it together. No guess? No. Adam? Um Yeah, vague, yeah, I remember the episode. I don't remember. I'm just gonna say he wanted to um purge the ship of everybody, like burn it out, destroy it. 
Destroy it. There you go. Yes, he wanted to destroy Voyager. He thought that was the best solution. Uh, which some might say was an extreme. Right. right. Uh, Adam? But then we wouldn't have gotten Janeway running well, Adam, around the you... ship in her, in, her, in her, you know, that was kind of her, yeah. her soldier episode, if I yes, remember right. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, Adam, you have already won for the day. This is just a victory lap for you now. Selznick also played the juggler in Next Gen's Cost of Living. Who plans to marry in this episode? You know, I say you've already won the episode, but if you get this wrong and then Steve gets it, you're going to be back at a time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, what was the question? Yeah, I probably just jinxed you. Selznick <laughs> also played the juggler. In next gen's cost of living, who plans to marry in this episode? That would have been Waxana, right? You got it. It's all right. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. So there was a new Picard trailer, but I did not watch it, and I'm not going to watch it. I've decided that uh, that very first one is enough for me. I don't want to see anything else until I watch the show. But did either of you watch it without telling me anything about it, please? I did. I also watched you, the new Discovery trailer, uh, too. Yeah, I did. Oh, right. Were you, don't tell me anything, but were you happy? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But it yeah. wasn't as mind-blowing as the first one. Of course, it couldn't be. How could it ever be? Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, not for me. I guess that was the only kind of notable thing, right? I don't think anything else was happening. Put a couple of short treks released for those oh, following right. that. Mm-hmm. And Steve, you are our resident person who pays for CBS All Access just for the shorts. <laughs> watch them. What did you think? Yeah, so let me recall. Yeah, I, I enjoyed them. They're very, they're very unique. You know, that kind of short form like that gives you an opportunity to do different things. I won't say anything about them just to keep it totally fresh for everyone. But they, uh, they both have their own angle, and they kind of do stuff that you wouldn't normally see, you know, historically in Trek. So it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. They haven't, there is a date for discovery season two on Blu-ray. It's no next month, I believe. Yeah. Have we heard if the previous batch of short treks are going to be on that Blu-ray? I sure would love it. You know what I've read? Two out of the four. That's what? Yeah. That's just. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. I'd almost rather you have none. That's just CBS. Oh man. No, it's probably a separate disc with the other two or something dumb. Yeah. I don't know that we mentioned it, but there was, uh, I think, where did that come from? Uh, the Vegas show, Vegas creation. There was some something recently-ish in the last couple of months where they, maybe it was Comic-Con. Yeah, maybe it was Comic-Con. I don't remember. But there was something where Darren Doctorman and some other folks kind of indicated, I think the producers of the original uh, director's edition of the motion picture indicated that Paramount was finally talking about putting up the money for them to do it, to do the director's edition of the motion picture, not just in HD, but like 4k, which would be spectacular, but obviously starting to talk about that over the summer, it's, it's obviously not going to be ready in time for the 40th anniversary in a couple months, but you know, that's, that's pretty great. Maybe if they're going to do that, it means they'll, give us good transfers of the other movies, which I've complained many times that they all look bad except for Star Trek 2. All right. Well, we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager's sixth season. In the meantime, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. It's Our handle is at trekcompanion. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. We thank you so much for spending an hour with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
fun. I passed it.